Abandon all hope, ye who enter here. This is the Horrible Film School. Take a seat, rip open those trapper keepers. My name is Chris Purdy, and I am here with Mr. Ryan Hootie. What's up, fellas? Excited to be here today. And the big bro, Mr. Nasty, Joseph. What's up, beautiful people? Happy uh, belated Valentine's Day. I hope everybody got a little bit of action. I think it's pretty sweet that we got to go to old Paris for Valentine's Day together. That was very romantic of us. Even more romantic to be in the catacombs. Love that darkness. Today's assignment, 2014's as above, so below. Today's lesson, keep your feet on and above the ground. This was a random assignment as we failed to win our own make-believe game. So, Mr. Joseph, the duties are on you today, sir. All right, I'll go ahead and take the wheel. Uh, Let's hop in with the uh, standby here. We're going to go with a couple fan reviews. And I thought I decided to mix it up. Mix, let's mix it up a little bit this time. Let's go with, uh, let's go with the uh, Rotten Tomatoes crowd. Oh, see what they Ooh. had to say. We're not going to be getting any cool, uh, cool or funny or insightful you know, review titles. But there's a, there's a few bangers in here. You're saying this is, the, this is the website for the plebs is what you're trying to tell me. Not the- well, I'd say this is more of what you consider like Mainstream. normies. This is a normies type of uh, review source. 2013 was, was peak Rotten Tomatoes as well. This so. might be the last insightful review written on Rotten Tomatoes. Let's hear it. Actually, these reviews are like five years after that, but let's go, oh, great. let's go with that. Son of a bitch. All right. So by a profile that's no longer active, we're already off to a good start. Um <laughs> This was posted on March 27th of 2019. If the critics, not all of them, didn't have their heads up their asses all the time, they'd see so much good in movies and see the horrible movies for what they really are. Yes, this movie did kind of fall apart at the end, but it was the last few minutes of the movie. Like hell, this was a great entry into the found footage genre. And one of the best modern day found footage films besides Wreck 1, 2, The Blair Witch Reboot, and Cloverfield, and the first two paranormal activity films. <laughs> that, that was besides those. Okay. So just like name every other fucking found footage. It's the best after movie. these other ten movies. He did miss uh, Diary of the Dead there. I don't think he did. Uh, stellar <laughs> performances, a super creepy story, and a descent into, quite literally, hell. Also, the story got you rooting for the main character and kept you on the edge of your seat with decent jump scares and some gruesome deaths. A perfect five out of five. Perfect five. Perfect. The godfather of found footage here. This is a perfect film. So I wonder if all those other films they referenced are fives out of fives as well. Uh, Wreck 2 fucking sucks. As above, as perfect. You know? Yeah, I'll go on record. Wreck 2 fucking sucks. Not a paranormal activity fan, uh, personally, but then again, I'm biased. I don't like the fucking ghost stuff, but, you know, some people seem to like it. I mean, that movie got how many sequels? Like six. So, the first yeah, one I thought was okay. It some was, people like it. So. It was a new twist on the genre. 
subgenre. And Cloverfield's like one of my favorite movies. And although the audience can't see us right now, Chris has got a very bright light on, on his face right now, looking very uh, found footagey over there. Yeah, definitely. This is my this is my catacombs look. Fresh tea, yeah. earbuds, and gotta, then a light in my face. You gotta turn that light down, dude. You gonna or they like put some foundation on because this shit is. I'm blinded right now. That bald head reflecting that light. Sounds like you're a little turned on. All right, so in opposition of uh, this very optimistic character, uh, by Anonymous mm. on September 8th, 2019. This movie shit, dog. Half a star out of five. <laughs> I don't think All the right, anonymity actually, is necessary there. I got a better one. I got a better one for for the negative side of things. This one's a little bit more, a little bit more detailed and a little bit less uh, harsh. Uh, I say, um, by Chip M on April 28th of 2021. I've certainly seen worse films, but I remembered pretty quickly why I avoided this one in the first place. Because the found footage slash jump scare fest that plays out like a bad haunted house ride was already stale seven years ago. Let's not revisit it anymore. Please and thank you. Two out of five stars. Two out of five, though. I gave him some... Much Just more desserts. fair than this movie shit dog. Before we hop into this, uh, the rest of the show, why did the found footage era have like, I don't know, a five, six year window where it was effective and it died? And now you can't do it again. I don't think it's, nobody's even attempted it lately. As opposed to like the slasher genre or as opposed to the elevated horror genre that, that, that we're in right now. I think it's because we're looking at, you're talking about horror films, that's already a niche market. You're talking about a niche inside of a niche. Um, when I think about horror fanatics, there's definitely a hard line between people who enjoy and despise these kinds of movies. And it's hard to keep doing these in a creative way, honestly. Like, how many times have we questioned why is this person still recording these events in these movies, you know? It's hard to keep it fresh, I guess. I mean, it's just like with anything else, like, gimmicks and and you know flavor of the week stuff were in their course because joy i've known you a long time and for forever you've been the 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 found footage guy i've definitely uh had my fair share of found footage my feel i think i've actually had enough of it myself i mean you can only do it so many ways before you're just it's a retread you know i feel like the only way it can be good anymore is if you have some new gimmick like uh, I don't know if you guys watched the movie Searching a couple of years ago with John Cho like his daughter was missing and the whole thing is like webcams and cell phone cameras and like navigating social media to find her so that's like a different way of doing it which was it was interesting I thought it was a pretty decent movie but going forward like what's what's the next iteration of that is it like Google glasses or some shit that somebody's wearing oh, so yeah. gotta find different ways to move the camera that's believable and new wasn't there a period of time and i don't i know it wasn't as long as like the found footage craze took hold but wasn't it like there was a few horror movies that revolved around the idea of like your webcam and like people having uh like google hangouts yeah it was like that friended unfriended or something unfriended, dark web was, uh, fear.com it, it, yeah, it was like a it was I don't a think series I watched of, any of those though of those Fads come and go, man. And I guess found footage was just another one of those fads. Thank you, Blair Witch Project. 
So yeah, let's talk about uh, the director. His name John Eric Dowdle. He wrote this movie with his brother, um, but some of his past works. Wrote and directed the mini TV series Waco, starring uh, Michael Shannon and Taylor Kish as uh, David Koresh. I heard it's pretty good. I haven't seen it myself. I mean, with those two actors, you know, it's probably going to be worth a watch. Also directed and wrote uh, something not so good, the English remake of Wreck, titled Quarantine. Oh, I think we yes, glossed over glossed over the connective over tissue that. just uh, settled in my brain. I see yeah. it hundred percent now. Glossed over glossed over that a little bit in our review of Wreck. So uh, go give go give our review of Wreck a listen. Let's bump those numbers up. Also wrote and directed 2010's Devil. And another found footage film called The Poughkeepsie Tapes, which is from the perspective of a serial killer um, that I hope we'll cover eventually because that's actually something I would enjoy us talking about. A sad note that I had is that I went, apparently went through a very depressed part of my life to where I watched this film in theaters and I watched Devil in theaters. He's mm, on fire. Yeah, I was a really big fan of this guy, apparently. Was that a Shyamalan production or something? It was presented by or some, something like that. He was like attached that, yeah. to that somehow. I remember it getting a lot of traction for some reason. Devil had like a, a big twist or some shit at the end, right? Yeah, they were all stuck in an elevator. Was that the the setup? It did have a twist, but I couldn't tell you what the twist Oh, the devil was in the elevator. There you go. One of them was the devil. Oh, okay. He was like Spoiler controlling alert. the whole thing. For, for we Spoiler yeah. alert for that fucking I'll be picking this movie next. <laughs> Scrap that episode. <laughs> All right. Interesting factoids. I got one note here. Don't know if you guys can add to it, but the research for this movie was pretty scarce. This was the first ever production that secured permission from the French government to film in the catacombs. I'm not gonna lie to you. That's why I went to see uh, I, that I watched this in theaters. But was because of that uh, catacombs aspect. Because the, the, the catacombs are fascinating. Was that like a viral campaign at the time or something? They were promoting it that way. I don't know about that. I just remember it was it was all over the trailer. I can hear that much. It was catacombs all over the trailer, and it's just a fascinating just thing that you can actually walk inside of today. People go to Paris for love and and all that bullshit. I go for the catacombs. Go for the thousands of corpses buried underneath their feet. Fucking thousands? You mean millions? I'm not a French uh, historian. Six million bodies. They say it in the film. Here we go. Uh, it's, it's what it lies down there. It's above or so below, bro. And the fact you can just walk down there and walk around is just You can just take a bone with you. They don't even know. I don't know about all that. <laughs> you stick a bone like your pants. Well, how do you like, how would you manage this, like, you're gonna send guards down there to like just walk around 24 hours a day. Fuck that. Imagine doing fucking inventory in the catacombs. <laughs> Yearly inventory. All right, count the I've bones. I've been calling out for that here. shit, bro. It's like, oh shit, dude, I'm sick. <laughs> that is true though, because you know, because in in this film, not spoiling anything, they go down there and there's already like hobos and weird right. shit happening. I can see it being a true a true event. You can't like you can't blow it up. If you fucking blow it up, your city's gonna cave in. You know. Yeah, I think at one stuck point in time, and I'm not sure how accurate it is, but they say in the movie there's like 200 miles of underground tunnels under Paris. Uh, makes me 
anxious. It's a lot. So I can definitely see people like living down there and just sucking the damn marrow <laughs> out of these ancient bones. Snapping them in half, sucking the juice. You know, you know fucking wine <laughs> and shit just gets better with age. You ever hear just uh. snapping bones and sucking <laughs> Disgusting. I did uh, see something about as far as the production. Um, big YouTuber apparently was part of the campaign to promote it. I figured you might know more about this guy than me, Joy. I think his name PewDiePie. is PewDiePie. Um, I remember that name. Apparently, he like uh, went down in the catacombs for one of his videos and got frightened. Like it was a big gimmick to kind of promote the movie. So, kind of interesting to see a. This might be one of the first instances we've seen of a YouTuber uh, being employed to actually promote a Hollywood film. Yeah, that guy. I mean, I don't really. I'm not familiar with his work. I just know he's like the biggest. YouTuber was the biggest YouTuber was, at that yeah. point in time. I think, it's that I Mr. think Beast now, guy. now it's fucking North Carolina born Mr. Beast. He's oh, a man. See, oh, 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 that dude. I did not know that. Hey, Mr. Beast, if you hear me, uh, here's a shout out. Bring a damn Mr. Beast burger down here to Maydan, Madison, North Carolina, brother. I'm trying to get me a burger. You said a shout out like he needs our help promoting his. <laughs> shout out, his Mr. Shout, shout out, out, Mr. Beast. I think it's the other <laughs> way around. Mr. Beast, could you please plug us? We need to have a thing that says everybody who listens to this podcast episode gets a thousand dollars, just like, like all his videos say. Yeah, like, from what I understand, like his whole like his whole channel is basically like he contacts an advertiser and they're like, "We'll give you fifty thousand dollars to make a to make a video," and he just gives that fifty thousand dollars away, and that becomes the video. So, it's a very charitable guy. From what I understand, he like has no interest in keeping the money that they give him. We could do like a Twitter giveaway because those things never actually happen. Hey, just say, yeah, what's XYZ1? Who's ever going to follow up on that? There you go. I need receipts. Yeah, the next, our next Twitter giveaway, I have half a pack of the blue water. Oh, I've, drunk, I've drunk seven out of the 20 that's in there, and we'll oh, give away to... 13 of them to mm, the next nice. uh, one person that uh, out of 20. So the way grocery prices are, pretty, sure. pretty good. I have this tactic at self-checkout. They don't have the blue in, in Virginia. Oh, they have it down here, buddy. Is that a local? It's Twenty brand? ounces as opposed to sixteen ounces. Get oh, got the big boy. Nice. Get fucked. Stay hydrated. Get fucked. <laughs> I have one last uh, production note here, kind of of interest. I think, in retrospect, this film was not screened for critics. Oh, they knew. Yeah, no they spoilers. Knew. No Eat spoilers. Critics. That's what they no were trying spoilers. to avoid. I'm sure. Eat shit, critics. You can't talk about this movie to anybody. So I dived into a little bit of research here. I couldn't find a documentary because, you know, I really wanted that. The movie is a documentary. Uh, well, yeah, it's we also talking about true. This found footage, Doug. Uh, but there is so much religion and Catholicism and just there's a rabbit hole of this film that you can, that you can go down. Right. That, I don't know who, why the people did it, but they definitely did it. But the title of the film comes from the Masonic teachings and lore, which in turn is based heavily on Christian language and belief specifically being transcribed from a part of the Lord's Prayer in which the phrase on earth as it is in heaven refers to God's will being carried out, both in heaven, on earth, as he sees fit. As above, so below. John 3.16, can I get a hell yeah? Hell yeah! And then I got a tagline if you're ready to hop into the film because the tagline is pretty badass. Let's hear the fucking tagline. As above, so below. The only way out is down. Yes. Wow. It's it. fucking deep. <laughs> I feel like you could slap that on like a whole lot of dirty <laughs> movies as well. <laughs> we that is also. 
<laughs> like nine millimeter with Nick Cage had the same tagline. <laughs> Is that where he's watching like the snuff film in the theater? Yeah. I remember watching the fucking trailer for that, and it would show like little snippets of that, and it would show Nick Cage like grabbing his face and yeah. shit. Ah! Just him reacting to it is like, ah, the bees. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, he's eating a peach for hours, dude. All right, so with all the uh, boring stuff out of the way, let's hop into discussing this masterpiece of found footage cinema, 2014's As Above, So Below. We could never finish it, because the A4 key was fucked up. George. This is a trip. What's going on? In a hidden underground Iranian cavern. Young archaeology professor Scarlett Marlowe, played by Perdita Weeks of Ready Player One and Pity Dreadful fame, discovers a bullhead statue known as the Rose Key, an ancient Aramaic-covered relic her father spent his entire life searching for, a fabled artifact believed to be integral to locating famed alchemist Nicholas Flamel's Philosopher's Stone, an elusive antiquity that led him down a path of madness and eventual suicide. And that's not Flamel I'm talking about. That's her dad. Barely escaping with her life as the caverns are demolished around her, she, along with a document, documentary cameraman slash host named Benji, head to a church in Paris to find her friend, colleague, old fuck buddy, George who specializes in Aramaic translation and studies. After inspecting Flamel's tombstone, and with the help of Scarlet's father's journal, the trio come to the conclusion that the location of the Philosopher's Stone can be accessed through the famous Catacombs de Paris, the Paris Catacombs, which houses the skeletal remains of several million Parisians. Upon taking a tour of the catacombs with a group of tourists and discovering where they'd have to adventure within the crypt to find the stone, Benji and Scarlet are told by a young local of someone who can get them to the off-limit area they need to get to. A man named Papillon, Papillon. Who, frequents, who frequents Club La Choquez. You have to find Papillon. So I had some questions um, pretty early on. I had on a lot here. of questions. For what as soon as I heard the name... Nicholas Flamel and the you talk a fucking Harry Potter of the Philosopher's Stone. I was waiting for <laughs> Harry Potter to come zipping by in a fucking broom. I did not I know that this was an actual like historical element thing. I thought this was a yeah. fabrication of J.K. Rowling and Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. It wasn't he and like Alistair Crowley or it wasn't Alistair Crowley another like alchemist or some shit. Yeah, but he was more like a yeah, he was more like a cult style. I think this guy was an actual like chemist. Like he actually um, had like a respectable career as an alchemist. Could be a hot take, but I've read The Alchemist. A little overrated, in my opinion. Little read. Do see that one like referenced a lot? Like, oh, you should read this. Like athletes, athletes. uh, Aaron Rodgers loves it. And that, and I had another question here: Is this Tomb Raider? Question mark. Because this woman. Oh, jeez. Is Laura Croft, 
And the whole fucking premise of Tomb Raider is her looking for treasure. But her dad died trying to find it. Like, is this the same fucking story? Because her dad she fucking speaks cage. like seven languages, three languages that are dead, four languages that haven't been discovered yet. It sounds like Laura She Cross. fucking knows everything, bro. She is like, she has, all right, she has the makings of what some would consider a Mary Sue. She just mm. needs like physical power and she would be Laura Oh, Cross. no, no, no. She she is a black belt in like Muay Thai or Krav Maga. She does say that. Krav Maga. What the fuck is that? Like alligator. Krav. Tim McGraw. It's like Tim McGraw's like karate style. <laughs> That's badass. Indian outlaw style. Also, I believe, and I may be mistaken, but I think you skipped over the cameraman Benji, who plays him. I talked about Benji. But who plays Ellie? Benji? That is Edwin Hodge, who you may right, know. Are we are we done? From The Tomorrow War, The Purge, and the fucking classic Big Mama's House. The hell is he in Big Mama's House? Classic. child? I hope so. I don't know. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I just had to get Big Mama's House on, on, on the if show. If anything, I skipped over uh, George, <laughs> George. Who's played by Ben Feldman, who's actually a good actor. Mad Men uh, guy is what I call him. Mad Dude, Mad Men. He was in fucking Silicon Valley. Had a bit part in Cloverfield, uh, Richie from 2009's Friday the 13th failed reboot. I still gotta uh, watch died, that. Man. We're gonna get died there. via. Oh, we'll get there in like nine and years. And don't be spoiling died, his death. Well, he dies, obviously. Okay. I mean, Friday the 13th, Chris. It's, Friday, 13th, it's shocking. I understand. If you're not, not a cross girl, to the fucking eye, then I don't care. If, if, <laughs> if you're not a girl who doesn't show her tits, then Edwin Hodge was in three of five Purge movies. Hootie. Oh, just one purge. legend, man. He's Apparently a, uh, he doesn't get purged. He's, he's a fucking, survivor. Uh, he's, survivor. He's definitely a uh, alumni of the Purge films. Had another note here. I don't know if, well, it's, it's, I guess, a personal take. I don't know if this is true or not. Do you guys have any prior exposure to a character named Papillon? Like the actor? The character name Papillon. Oh, just the name Papillon. Yeah. I mean, is, that in Harry, is that in fucking Harry Potter too? No. Isn't there a movie with? Is that like uh, a fish? Is that like a fish in Harry Potter or some shit? Steve McQueen named Papillon. Right. Yeah, it's a Steve McQueen movie where he plays a character named Papillon. So I was wondering if this was kind of a tip of the cap to that. Definitely does not look or act like Steve McQueen. So I would hope that's just I, the extent I, of my knowledge of French culture. There. Let's hope that it doesn't connect to Papillon. I wonder if Papillon is like a really common name. But, I mean, the whole movie is about him escaping prison as well. So, I was like, ah, maybe this guy's like an escape artist. And that's why they, maybe Papillon translates to something that I'm unaware of. I always like the movies where they're they're down in the, in the catacombs. And George and Scarlet see this dude sitting there just by himself. He says, find Papillon. They look back and turn back around. He's gone. And everybody's just fine with that. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. Cool. I was like, is this ghost? What's going on here? And then we have a lady. Who's kind of tracking them through the club? I like from outside. Is that really explained as well? Oh, we it's not, but it's one of those things you kind of leave it up to uh, leave it up to the audience to to make assumptions about her role later on in the movie. Those are like some thematic interpretations here that I'm just too stupid to understand. No, I think it's left for open for interpretation on purpose. And Hootie, damn, you over here talking about I'm throwing shade at Benji when you just totally neglected that he's the one that goes into catacombs, not fucking George. It wasn't George. Yeah, you're George right. Sorry. Yeah, he doesn't like going into the catacombs. Yeah, that's right. We'll he talk said. about that. In he a knows bit. it's a bad idea. 
Yeah. Sorry, Benji. You already don't get any FaceTime in this fucking movie, and now who's <laughs> going shape? Or... Well, he doesn't get one particular spot. I would say <laughs> of all the found footage stuff we've covered, he definitely gets a lot for a cameraman. Usually the cameraman, like Pablo. Did we ever see Pablo's face in record? We saw his shoes. Oh, I, think, I, think I don't remember. It. I think you see it like you have to see it once. They always do that in found footage. I have no recollection least, of his face. At least one time. I vividly remember his shoes. And then Blair Witch, we see them because they hand the camera to each other. So that's a <laughs> But for a cameraman, I think he does get a, quite a bit of screen time here. Can we talk about Papillion's hair? Papillon. The most fucking perfectly symmetrical hair he has some I've sex. ever seen. He has some sexy Jon Snow hair going on. He had some big ass veins. Quaffed. It was very quaffed. Oh, I kind of, yeah, it's, it's, who do you mention the veins? It does have like a Skeet Ulrich scream vibe to it. He looks like a fucking Pokemon character with that haircut. We talked about the Skeet bangs, how everybody like wanted anime. them back it's, in 96. It's like anime, it's anime fucking hair. He's French, man. He's sexy. That's one of those haircuts that if you actually wore that in the real world, people would laugh like hell at you. My ass, if you was in the mid to 20, 20 teens like this guy, you would have got so much pussy. He's French, though. That's a different level. They're lovers. Mm. You know they got some crazy STDs over here. They ain't made the way to the States. <laughs> you fucking know it, bro. All right, on that note, let's get, continue. <laughs> on that infectious note. Later that night, the trio make their way to La Choquette. And after a bit of haggling, Papillon played by Francois Seville. Uh, he actually was in the movie Frank. I fucking love that movie. Oh, uh, with uh, Fastbender? And, that was a good one. Yeah, Fastbender and Gyllenhaal, dude. Side note, um, Fastbender's new movie, directed by my favorite director, David Fincher, called The Killer. Got a release date for uh, November, I think, this year. So, How about that plug? Looking forward to that. Be watching that one. But Papillon and his spelunking crew of Zed... And Suxi joined the expedition. The gang of six, now equipped with gear for the journey, minus any for George, who's just there to see the group off, head to the super-secret and super-illegal hidden entrance to the catacombs. But not before Papillon drops a sweet tag on some graffiti outside. Pap, baby. Jo- Pop. P-A-P, Pop. exclamation point. Pop, baby. Before George can say his goodbyes and wish the group luck, Papillon is tackled by a French policeman who chases all six, including the reluctant George, into the tunnel. After trudging through some water and by some more dope Papillon graffiti, the explorers encounter a group of what seem like cultists chanting and singing with their tits out. The team comes to a fork in the road, or a fork in the path, excuse me. version that I saw. With Papillon refusing to go through what seems like the more direct route, claiming that tunnel to be evil, and that he has never, and will never, take that path. How did you guys feel about the policeman coming in like Hall of Fame, strong safety, Troy Palomalu, and that fucking I mean, scene? I fucking Dead silent, out. too. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's fucking sprinting. <laughs> I wish Full Jason Voorhees speed. had this power. If he did, he would be fucking undefeated. They were dead silent until like the flashlight flashed on and then instant fucking oh, knockout blur. It's like a fucking, I don't know, it was like a Super Bowl commercial. I was like, Jesus <laughs> Christ. He knocked like eight people into that fucking hole in one swift movement. <laughs> See, now, found footage is notorious for like jump scares. Jump scare, jump scare, jump scare. Right. 
And it's understandable because it's from like a first person perspective. This was actually a good use of a jump scare. It's not cheap, I don't think. It actually like progresses the story. Watching this sequence as they're like getting prepped to go into the caverns or into the catacombs. And George is like tagging along. I know we, as three the three guys watching this movie, knew the motherfucker was going to end up going down there, right? Did you believe for a second that he thought he wasn't going in there? I don't know if he was trying to sell it, but it just never came across that way. Uh, well, the, his, his reasoning to not go in there was sound. But he kept I mean, going like further on the path. To, I was thinking, obviously, this I think in the back of his inside. mind, he wanted to go. You know, he he in the back of his mind, he cares about Scarlet, and he doesn't yeah. want her to, you know, go go with this group of strangers. But I also feel like it's kind of the power to pussy type deal. That's what I'm mean? saying. Is he really trying to go inside of her? Is that what this is really about? Is she How the catacomb? That? How about that right there? Is the juice worth the squeeze? The crew roll up their sleeves, and instead of taking the more logical route, they crawl through a claustrophobia-inducing narrow corridor littered with human bones. After Benji's big ass gets stuck and freaks out, a cave-in forces him to get in the gear, and the six manage to make it through unharmed, only to discover they went in a circle. Now back where they started, much to the disbelief of Papirio and anger of Benji, there is only one option. The tunnel that people don't come back from. The tunnel of evil. So lots of questions here. One, Benji did a fantastic job when he was uh, acting like he was stuck. When in he's the, stuck? In the yeah, I, yeah, that shit like, freaked me out. I didn't like that. I mean, I didn't like it, it in a good, good way, though. It was very... If there's one thing found footage shit is really, really good at... It's whenever there's like claustrophobia or any of that, you know, that, that tight space type stuff. That shit uh, freaked me out. Because you, he kept singing, well, they stop fucking singing. That was awesome. Oh, yeah, the singing in the background <laughs> getting louder and louder. This movie has really, really good sound design. Yeah, it was very effective there. I had a question in here. Like, is this an effective use of found footage? And kind of alluding to what you just said, Joy, about the claustrophobia. I think this is probably an appropriate use of it because you think about this movie, you could have shot it. You come up with the idea for this. There's two ways to do it. Basically, you want to do found footage or you want to shoot this conventionally, right? Um, so I feel like some movies end up becoming found footage movies when they would have probably been better served as a conventional third-party camera type of setup. But I think the fact that this is so claustrophobic makes the found footage a little bit elevated. The Descent was not found footage, right? No. But I do feel like eventually this movie does get to a point of why is this still found footage? Right, yeah. I mean, that's why I had a question. Yeah. Like, is this an effective use of it to this, to a point? You know? Because after a while, it definitely feels It gets repetitive. to a point of, like, why are they still fucking filming? You know? Yeah, that's always the question in these movies, though. From what I picked up on, they have, like, an early version of a GoPro, it, it like, inside of their headlamp. So, yeah, in actuality, yeah. they, they can't cut off the light. The headlamp cameras so. were pretty cool. I did like that touch. Because it kind of gives you, like, the POV style, almost like a first-person video game or something, you know. At what point did they become possessed by whatever entity this this thing is? Who who became possessed? Well, well cl- clearly, like, there's some spirit fucking with them because it literally just got through going into a circle back to where they were. So was it when they crawled through the River of Bones? Was it when they actually got into the catacombs? Because how did, like, where did the singing women, singing women come from? To, to begin with like I'm just confused on w- at what part 
they became possessed by at this what, entity. At what, pretty much at what point they entered the haunted house is what you're asking. Yeah, what was the point of yes. entry for the actual, Oh, I don't, I don't get it. For myself, the supernatural aspect. I always thought how that would have worked is when they went through the the tunnel. You know, the tunnel that was like sealed up and they had to break through. Right. That should have been the point when shit started popping off. But it happened right before this. I mean, the cultists, I guess the cultists were really there. Like, that wasn't just some, like, figment of your imagination. But as you said, as soon as they crawled through the bones, it was, like, supernatural. And you were going in a circle when there wasn't a circle to go through. Initially, I was thinking they disturbed human remains. I could, I, th- I think the human remains being disturbed, considering that it is the catacombs, makes the most sense. But again, they said they had done this before. Kind of erases that logic. If they've done this, then what was different about this particular instance of it, you know? They said, we always take point. this path. Good point. He always crawls over the river of bones. Always. Do it all the time. So what was different this time? Maybe Who it was, was the cultists. replacing these rivers of bones? They were very high. Like, they're true. fucking literally <laughs> up to the goddamn ceiling of this little corridor. Who was on bone maintenance to where they're fucking shoveling all the goddamn bones back into this hole? <laughs> the tunnels could like shrink and expand, right, based on the heat and humidity and stuff. Just like a door in your in your house. Down the tunnel, the unspeakable evil tunnel, an already fractured group become even more weary of Pop as they find a tag of his on the walls somewhere he supposedly has never been. I thought you'd never been here before. Oh, dude, they was they was ragging his. He's fucking like he's sitting there. Oh shit, bro! What's cool? I don't know if you noticed. All his other tags they ended in exclamation point. Oh. This tag ended in the three dot bullshit. Like, what's that called in English, Chris? Is there ellipsis. Three dots? Ellipsis. Is that the I one where it's like so dot much. dot dot? Yeah. This one ended in ellipsis. Like a continuation. Like it's calling him almost. Yeah, it's pretty Pat great. Beyond. Before the crew can make sense of it, they hear something even stranger. A phone ringing. Further in, they discover a piano that the group dismisses as part of a cave-in from the street above. But oddly enough, it's similar to one from George's youth. Right down to the broken A4 key. It's going to be right down there next to It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's that? What you say? I was gonna ask you right now the actual key uh, that was broken. Yeah, we always had trouble with A four. <laughs> Freaked out and unable to understand what's happening, Scarlet takes off in the direction of the ringing phone. The voice of a man asking her why she won't talk to him on the other end. The madness continues after she hangs up, with the discovery of the spelunking group's long lost friend, Latop a.k.a. the mole, emerging from the darkness. Unseen and considered dead for two years within the catacombs, the mole leads the group to what he says is the way out as the cave system groans and cracks around them, threatening to collapse at any moment. After following him for a while, Latop leads the six to a well, explaining the only way out is down. The crew make it to the bottom, mostly unscathed, aside from Benji's rope-burned hands from a broken carabiner. Some more freaky hallucinations and unexplainable sounds mixed in with some ancient Goonie-style riddles later. 
They find themselves at a dead end within a tomb of an impossibly well-preserved body of a Knights Templar. We get to meet our old friend from two years ago who went missing. Probably dead. Nobody, and I mean nobody, touches this dude. If this was your real friend and I saw you for the first time in two years, no fucking body touched him. <laughs> and then he shows him the devil's asshole and says, you have to go down there to continue on this and nobody trip. questioned it. Everybody was like, oh, I guess we got to go down. <laughs> Man, what do you do at that point? Like, you're obviously Benji's like, he's the closest thing to us as far as somebody who's like, fuck this shit. Like, how do you, everyone else goes down there. What do you do? You just sit there and wait. The fact that Benji is holding the camera and watching this shit happen through the camera allows him to, like, distance himself from it. You know what I mean? It's like he's watching this play out. I mean, he's there, obviously, in reality, but he's watching all this play out through a camera lens. So he can kind of uh, disconnect and, and not, you know, because he's like, he's like he's the only one that's freaked out by any of this shit that's happening, really. Like, everybody else is kind of just pushing forward and going along with it. Like, what this fucking, what did this fucking dude eat for two years? Like, did no one Nobody even, like, question. think, like, two, like, just take two seconds and think. I mean, there's no way this dude's alive, right? Obviously, at this point, we're in some kind of supernatural funk. Oh, yeah. This is, uh, well, watching this movie a few times over, um, and listening to some smarter people talk about it, and, and kind of piecing it together, um. Apparently, this movie takes a lot of inspiration from Dante's Inferno of the Divine Comedy. Like the rings of hell as they descend. And, yes, and from my understanding, uh, what they're currently in is considered like the first circle. The first circle of the nine circles of hell is considered like purgatory, limbo. Limbo, right, yeah. And because Latope, a.k.a. the mole, doesn't have any like nefarious transgressions um he's in limbo you know he hasn't been he's trapped he waiting for judgment been, right yeah he's not he's not in a certain circle of hell based on what his past sins are so that really is him there no no, no he's in limbo he's it's like it's his spirit his soul Every time we review one of these movies that, spoiler alert, it's not the best film out there. They all, they always have like this super deep backstory of this is a connection of Dante's Inferno and the nine levels. I mean, good God, dude. <laughs> I guess you get so into like your themes and your ideas that you forget about putting the pudding on the screen, you know. I can see that being the case. Things that people pay money to go see for horror fans, you know. See, now in contrast to you guys, I think that's like, one of the better parts of the movie is the fact that it's more than just surface level, you know, boring cliche horror. Like, in all honesty, the Dante's Inferno shit they're doing here is like the only thing that makes the movie unique. Otherwise, it's kind of bland and boring. I think it makes it a better movie, especially in hindsight. Like, the more I think about it, the more that checks out, you know. And I feel like movies that I tend to watch and just have some kind of mild reaction to and don't think about anymore or lesser and i will say this definitely with more information is more interesting so i'll give them that they definitely put in some groundwork here yeah thank thank you youtube people who are very 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 much smarter than me i love you <laughs> who help me uh see the light investigating the room eventually leads scarlet to an adjoining chamber through a water passage 
Here she finds gold and riches beyond measure, and that which she seeks most, the Philosopher's Stone. Joined soon by the rest of the pack, Scarlet pockets the alchemist's tool, while the others break open a door to more trinkets, triggering a trap and causing yet another cave-in. Almost everyone escapes unharmed, aside from Suxi, who gashes her arm, and the mole, who is nowhere to be found. Nobody asks either. No, no one cares. They, they ask like one time and say, fuck it, dog, we, you can't get to it. <laughs> Unable to move the rocks for fear that the stones would shift and entomb them, they're forced to leave the taupe behind once again, along with almost all of their supplies now trapped under the rubble. With a little help from old Nicky Flamel and his stone, Suxi's wounds are healed, and the remaining survivors discover a way out, down further still into the unknown. I did like the fact here that they had kind of addressed um, the headlamps. They were like, we need to conserve battery life. We just lost all of our food, our batteries, so everyone turn off your lights, basically, except for one person. But it, it's never... It never becomes an issue, though. I was kind of annoyed with that throughout the movie. Like, they acknowledge it here, but you never have a moment where, like, your lights go out or things are flashing. I thought that was kind of a missed opportunity. Yeah, it's 2014, man. I I understand fucking Wreck did it and Quarantine did it, like, with the attic scene where they're having to use, like, night vision. You don't want to retread, sure, but fucking use it, you know? Yeah, it's there. It's obvious. It's a good We're in the dark. We're in a cave. Yeah, let's turn the lights off for at least one scene, you know. And has she read the wall inscription yet? Uh, yeah, she. I didn't go over it. I figured we would talk about it at this point. Okay, good. This is pretty much because it. Because when she reads the wall inscription that talks about um, the entry to hell or whatever it says, she says the movie title, I think, four times. As above, so below. So below. George, as above, so below. <laughs> yeah, they definitely took the title right out of the script here. This was not a brainstorming event as to what we'll call this. They just took it right off the page. Yet again, everybody's just cool with going deeper and deeper and deeper. Well, at this point, they're kind of getting pushed, like by every cave-in is pushing them to whatever they exit they can find, which are always just naturally further into the ground. The yeah, the well, though, the well, they did that with intent. That one was the one I was like, alright, let's think about this before you go down this fucking hole. The well is also like a um, a big part of um, Dante's Inferno. That's how they, uh, I think what I read, because I actually read this part, didn't just have someone on YouTube fucking tell me. Um, they use it to go between, I think, the 8th and ninth circle of hell. Like, oh, so this is like... A, they're a having entry. to keep going down to get out. So this is like, this is more, more Dante's Inferno divine comedy stuff. Passing through yet another tight corridor along their bellies, they enter what can only be described as an almost mirror image of the room above. While searching the curiously similar room, the entrance they pass through somehow seals, leaving one option, passing back through the underwater tunnel and into the mirrored version of the crypt. It's here that they impossibly run into their navigator from earlier, Latope who wheezes and sits motionless, until approached by Suxi, who he beats to death against the floor before fleeing. Unable to resurrect her with the stone, the crew continue onward until they come upon the mirrored version of the whale. 
Further down, the crew waits at the bottom for Benji to make his grand entrance. And he does, taking the fast way down, spooked by a ghostly figure with a baby, spooking him into the hole and splattering him on the ground below. The group continues forward, now down to four. So we took the time there to finally touch the mole when he's fucking wheezing and hissing and acting weird. That's when we touch him. Okay. When he was his least approachable was when we decided Good. to approach him. <laughs> And what would you learn, fellas? You cannot resurrect what doesn't have a face. Yeah, this is some Terrifier uh, callback here. I don't think you could fix that. It's uh, pretty much <laughs> what she ends up telling her old dude. <laughs> I feel like they let him attack her for quite a bit, too. Like, no one tried oh, yeah, to he stop was, him. He was beating that brain in pretty good. Dude, they kept well, no, They kept telling her, don't, don't do this shit. Don't, don't have your face smashed into the ground. I mean, during the she's attack, the fucking like, she's fearless, bro. There was no intervention at all. And they just oh, kind of oh, shit. Oh, stop! Please stop. Benji, record this. They just kind of shit. move on to. Oh well. Benji over here fucking eating the eating dirt, face first. Yeah, R.I.P. She's over man. here. She's over here with a goddamn Parmesan scraper, fucking sprinkling dust on everybody, trying to fix him and shit. So. Everybody has a connection that the, the, the levels of hell are fucking with them about, like the piano with George and so on. What did this woman mean to Benji? It's a woman with a baby, right? It's never explained. It's just kind of just happened. I guess it's just I think it's one of the, another one of those open interpretation. But the way Suksi is behaving with the mole, uh, she's like the only one to try to approach him, as we discussed. It makes me feel like maybe she had a romantic relationship with him or she was super guilty that they didn't really look for him when he first went missing. Um, and I guess this is her paying for her sin uh, of, like, uh, what would you call this? Like, being a tra- being a traitor, being uh, just... Unfaithful, with, unloyal. I guess, unloyal. Um, and then with Benji... Maybe Benji's, Benji's like an adulterer or some shit, and this woman is like a woman from his past. That maybe he, he like had a hit baby her, with. a car accident or something. Maybe he uh, killed a woman and her child or something. You know, who knows? Yeah, Benji's a good old Christian boy. He wouldn't, he wouldn't do it like that. So I think there's an allusion later to somebody having a, a child that they didn't attend to, right? Uh, Yeah, I think that's one of Zed's. I think that's Zed's. Uh, Zed's sin. Yeah, so I doubt they're going to retread that. We've seen this kid just randomly, like, you know, we've been seeing hallucinations and all sorts of shit. I didn't connect that the little kid we kept seeing was Zed's kid. It's literally mentioned here at the end of the movie in like a fucking three second snippet. The lunacy and horrifying imagery continues. George seeing his dead, drowned brother under a pile of bones. Scarlet stumbling upon a noose alluding to her father. All this leading to a car engulfed in flames. A young boy burning quietly in the back seat. A forest pulls Papillion into the vehicle and disappears. Sucking his body into the rocks below with only his legs exposed. Unable to free him, Zed, George, and Scarlet head further in and eventually find themselves pursued. By a hooded demonic figure. I hated the way the shot played out with him getting sucked in. But when it ended with his legs sticking out of the ground like he's in the fucking Wizard of Oz. I thought that was pretty dope. Yeah, that, 
I mean, I don't want to be a broken record from some of our past episodes, but that CG was trash. Oh, that was so bad. That's the thing with CG. It just doesn't age well. This was only eight years, nine years ago, man. It's crazy. Man. Yeah, it went that long ago. Did you guys notice who the kid in the back seat was? I did not. Is this somebody we met? I assumed it was just some It's the past. boy from earlier in the catacombs that point them in the direction of Papirium. Oh, I see. Oh. The one that disappeared. You watch the movie, he disappears. This is his whole, I guess this was his whole revenge flight, his whole sin. So you're telling me that these spirits are on the surface now? I think they're just within the catacombs in general. In the midst of hiding from said figure, a monster bursts from the wall and takes a chunk out of George's neck. Speaking of shitty CG, right? That fucking sucked. Scrambling to safety, Scarlet attempts to heal the wound with the stone, but it's powerless. So instead, she uses her powers of deduction to come to the conclusion that the stone that would heal him is back in the first mimicked room. She leaves Zed and a dying George making her way back to the mirrored treasure room and thus becomes a what thus becomes what <laughs> she was always destined to be a Mary Sue with the power of the Philosopher's Stone within her. As she was running back, I was like, I played this fucking level on in Tomb Raider. I know exactly what's good. <laughs> Dude, she literally has the power inside her like it's a fucking Disney movie. Racing back, falling into a big-ass puddle of the blood, which was cool. Uh, saving George before convincing both he and Zed to take a leap of faith down into yet another hole after rectifying their associated sins, which leads to a manhole cover, <laughs> leading to their ultimate salvation and escape from the ninth circle of hell, I mean, the catacombs. The end. That's it. Now, I had, I got, I, I may have glossed over a little bit right there at the end, but I just, I had enough. I, <laughs> I had enough of it. Do we? Says the man who's watched it more than once. He's had enough, yeah. Chris. Definitely. Actually, yeah, I actually didn't mind the movie. I, I thought the movie was fine. Um, I thought towards the end where we get to the room with the cloak men jumping out of the walls oh, and shit. so sloppy. It was bad. I just oh. feel like I was on like like a, like a haunted trail you would go to around Halloween time. Just shit jumping at you as you walk down the street. There was so much going on. Yeah, it was hard to keep up with. So much. She was hugging her dad, crying at some point. <laughs> where was Satan at? I thought we were going to see Satan. He was a cloak people. He was many Satans. Lots and lots of Satans. All three people made it out, huh? Three survivors. Three out of six. I didn't like the amount of survivors. Well, you know what it is? What I is I kind of feel like. <laughs> because throughout the movie, you have Dante, Dante Algieri, and Virgil. Just like in Dante's Inferno or in the Divine Comedy. And Virgil was pretty much leading Dante through the Inferno or through the Gates of Hell. Mm-hmm. I think it's set up to where Scarlet and George mimic Virgil and Dante. However, this is a fucking found footage movie. Somebody has to survive to hold the camera. And it makes sense of like how this is being filmed, at the, how we're seeing this at the end. So I think they wanted to kill Zed off. 
but somebody had to fucking survive to film this shit. And it could have been and either one of those two. Because they, they had they had to be on camera, you know. These are the stars of the movie. They have to be on camera. I got one last thing I want to ask about here. The moment at the end when they think they're about to get it and they say to each other, when we were together was the best time of our lives. How did you feel about that delivery? My God. It was terrible. No, my ass. That shit was heartfelt. I believe these two was fucking long before this movie came out. I didn't realize they had fucked up until that point, honestly. I thought the actress who played Scarlet was, was awful. I hate to say it. I did not enjoy her one bit. I did not buy the exchange there of like they didn't even say I love you or kiss or anything. They were just like that was like, the best week. In of comparison my life. to what though? I mean, we're watching like campy horror. Do we ever see the um Eiffel Tower? Why would we see the Eiffel Tower? It's in the catacombs. It's on the poster, very probably. It is on the poster. Yeah. Oh yeah, they, that's so you know it's Paris. That's how you know, Chris. Come on. You can't show the catacombs and expect your nor- your fucking normal smooth brain American to know it's Paris. What if you see two guys Eiffel Tower in the background? Yeah, there's two men and a woman at the end. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Was that the Eiffel Tower? Oh, look at that. Look at that. <laughs> Nailed it in there. I got oh, it in there. Goodness. I had a note that I forgot to mention earlier when Benji, to go back to my boy Benji, you know, I want to pound this man to the ground, much like he was in the movie. Uh, he falls to his death. He's in a splatter, splatter man there. And they just say, well, got to move on. Yeah, and I just, really hope you, just hope, when, if, you know, if I ever die around you fellas, that I get more than, ah, got to move on. Yo, you want to check his <laughs> pulse or you want to go finish eating these sandwiches we made for the picnic? Like, damn. All right, boys, I think that wraps up the old trip to Petty. What kind of memorabilia you want to take home from this lovely 2014 entry into horror canon? This movie didn't have a lot, in my opinion. Uh, but if I had to take something, give me that early version of a GoPro headlamp camera thing they had that also, also shot in HD. Yes, yeah, so give me that headlamp <laughs> camera. Apparently, it can probably be scaled up to 4K in 2023, so... Some nice-ass tech you got there, Benji. What are y'all going to do? Go, like, kayaking and have, like, Godsmack music playing in the background of your recordings? Creed, motherfucker, get it right. I'm actually, I'm going six feet from the edge, man. Uh, I am actually going to Banff, Canada this July and going caving. Like, actual down in caves. Caving? Is that like space docking? No, we just been, yeah, I'm going in, into caves. I'm going down you know, into gotta, the earth. You know what we needed to watch before he goes and does that? I'm not watching any of that shit. Don't you? We need you? to watch descent. the fucking Descent. We need to watch The Descent, dude. <sighs> that would fuck his world up. I probably wouldn't do it. You guys missed the mark yet again. Obviously, it's the Philosopher's Stone. Uh, just imagine all the applications. Every time I get that weird rash on my balls, just hit it with some of that stone dust and poof. No more itchy sack. Fuck you, gold bond. No longer will I be a slave to you and your slimy grip on my nuts. Eat a dick. That's something that skinny folks don't know about, that uh, big man chafing. Chub rub is a big thing, man. It's real. Yeah, big deal. All right, boys, get the books out. Time to grade this sucker. Kind of let it grades we turn it in for. As above, so below from 2014. I wanted to give 2014's As Above, So Below a D, just based on the trailer alone. But upon further viewing and peeling back its layers, I bumped it up to a C. The performances of the actors are actually decent and feel genuine for the most part. The environment of the Parisian uh, catacombs is really intriguing, as it's just a naturally creepy environment in general. And that creepiness is just amplified when the idea of it leading to the gates of hell is introduced. 
basing Scarlet's quest around the mythologies of Dante's Inferno, um, it makes what could have just been a Descent clone feel more original. The film does unfortunately fall uh, for the found footage trap of too many jump scares that create artificial tension when it isn't needed. There's already plenty of tension here with the great use of sound and the atmosphere and the haunting imagery. In my opinion, it just cheapens the horror and makes a movie with a unique concept feel generic and cliched. Also, as much as I like the inclusion of the Divine Comedy into the plot, it does come off as heavy-handed at times and leads to some exposition that came off as awkward and immersion-breaking sometimes. In my opinion, the best way to describe As Above, So Below is Tomb Raider meets The Descent meets The Goonies. And for fans of found footage, as I am, I recommend it. Didn't think I'd say all that based on the trailer, though. Holy hell. That trailer fucking sucked. As Above, So Below is a film I caught in theaters way back. When I thought at the time, which I thought at the time was a terrible film, and to my own shock, holds up as a shitty rewatch. The idea of the catacombs is fascinating, which is why I watched it to begin with in theaters. However, the film just has no idea what it wants to be by bobbing in and out of rules and themes throughout the entire movie and apparently also has connections to Dante's Inferno now that we learn from Joy. And with all this bullshit and fuckery with rules and themes, this gets an F from this bull. So the movie has a creepy and dangerous underground environment, which is super cool and unique, as we said, but I just don't feel like it served the attention of the movie like it should have. A lot of these scares were predictable and unoriginal. I absolutely hated the stone man jump out effect there. A lot of cheap jump scares instead of building on the tension of what you had and an atmosphere that was already creepy enough. Um, I feel like that there's a tone that you could have made this film with that would have served it better and made more use out of your environment. Ending feels kind of rushed and convoluted. It leaves you with kind of more questions and answers, which I'm usually okay with. But for me, this did not seem to be setting itself up for a franchise. So I did not understand why you would leave something open ended like this. Cast is serviceable, but there's really no standout performances. As I said before, uh, it's not scary or tense enough for me personally. There's a handful of cool bits Uh, A few good shots, some good concepts here. After careful reconsideration, based on some of the thematic stuff we discussed here, I bumped it up a bit. I got it sitting at a C-. minus. Alright, let's recap some uh, fan score guesses for this bad boy. Start with the low man. Mr. Hootie gave this a 23. I said a 44. Joey said a 50. And the actual audience score is a 4-0-40. A W for your boy. So yeah, it puts me in the driver's seat, but I will have to wait as we have an assignment coming up. It is March around the corner. Springtime is here. It's time to visit our friend Warwick Davis yet again for Leprechaun 2. It's a time of year again. Yes. Spring is in the air, baby. <laughs> Leprechaun 2. All right, folks, you want to tag along, you can hop on YouTube and watch the official trailer for Leprechaun 2 from 1994. Let's go. Soon, my dear. Yes. It's almost time. True love can be hard to find. That's true. For some, it takes a lifetime. Who is this, chick? For find him, as hell, brother. 
He falls asleep now. No, she sneezes three times. And now that he's finally I miss found theater, her, uh, guy. he's going to love her. He's going to love her <laughs> to death. She looks like Florence Pugh. That was that fucking Michael McDonald. Michael, Michael McDonald. Fucking him getting some money. This looks oh, fucking banging, dude. Looks like we're going back into a tunnel, fellas. Did you hear the sound effect? Oh, oh, look at that. Special powers. Kiss me. I'm Irish. <laughs> <laughs> so this movie, like, in terms of developing the, the character of the Leprechaun, is, like, equivalent to, I guess, Nightmare 3. You're starting to get a much more comedic, comedic portrayal. Um... Instead of like a horror portrayal, there was no it's horror so, in that at so all. That looked good. like so much fun, dude. It looked like a good change of pace from the laugh. We coming from Terrifier one, two, and then then what we just watched. Give me Leprechaun two, baby. Let's go. So we got nothing at stake here, boys. But for the hell of it, with the luck of the Irish, let's take a guess at what this might be sitting at on Rotten Tomatoes per the audience fan score. If this shit is anything less than a sixty, then people need to have like their opinions. Censored. I'm gonna go with the Ray Lewis. Let me get a 52. I'm gonna go 72. Alrighty, folks. Thank you for listening. Check out the website horriblefilmschool.com. You'll find links to all the podcast platforms, all the social media, all that good stuff. Give us a follow. Leave a review. Send us some Duracells for our headlamps. I'm gonna say goodbye and offer my support to women enchanted with the magic of resurrection stones. As always, if you're hearing our voices, tell at least one person you know, spread the love, spread the campaign. And if you go to the catacombs, you know, don't don't go looking for rocks and stones and shit. Just go enjoy the catacombs and enjoy Perry. And I'm out. Thanks for the likes, follows, listens, shares. We appreciate your time and your attention. Join us for our next episode where we hang out with our buddy Warwick Davis in 1994's Leprechaun 2. We'll see you in the next one. Class dismissed.